Welcome to Peeves' Gap Fest, a chapter-by-chapter, page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meeks. And last week, I lied to you guys. We're actually doing a feedback episode today. (laughs) But we do want to remind you, we will be using our vast knowledge of the Harry Potter universe to gab about our feedback. So you've been warned, Icklefirsties. Before we start gabbing, however, a message from the Daily Prophet. No one wants to wait hours for a potion to brew. Ditch the cauldron and order a BlendJet 2 portable blender today. Sure to get you invited to Slughorn's parties, the BlendJet 2 makes blending so easy and convenient. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up your potions even while riding a broomstick. It's small enough to fit in your cloak, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like frozen fruit and lacewing flies with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning potion without waking up the whole common room. Lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. That, that's a muggle contraption. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. I really want to get the black one and add the Hufflepuff logo. Yes. Yeah, and I want a blue one so that it'll match, well, Ravenclaw, but also my kitchen counters. (laughs) (laughs) That's, like, super important. It's got to match the kitchen counters. It's nice and convenient if that can happen. Black goes with anything, so I think I'm good. Yeah, it's true. Well, what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and two free day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. So as I mentioned before, we are doing a feedback episode. So we are going to kind of just fill you guys in on all the feedback that we've gotten. We're covering all the way back to chapter five through the end of the book and then some general feedback as well. We are going to start with Sharon on Facebook, who actually had caught up uh, reading and left a very big post on our Facebook group, which was a lot of fun. So I broke that into um, the chapter. So we'll we'll keep going back to Sharon throughout this episode. But um, Sharon said about chapter five, which is Diagon Alley. This has always been my favorite chapter, probably because who doesn't want to be given a ton of money and sent on a shopping spree at a bunch of magical shops? How did the Potters have so much money? They were 21 years old, owned a house, and had a child. Maybe James's parents left them a lot of money? (laughs) 
I am so happy I get to to respond to this uh, because I just read about all of that. <laughs> so well, I'm I find excited it to very see funny. What you have to say because I think I know the answer, but are you referring to your companion book? No, actually, I read this oh. online. I think through Pottermore. As I was kind of just exploring, I think it's just one of those articles that expanded on it a little, um, that had J.K. Rowling and others expand upon it a little, a little bit. But from what I read, and I'll, you know, listeners, you can always take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I don't, you know, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to say it's that way. It just what that's what I read, and I'm taking. You it heard it I here. It. You heard it here, folks. James just told all of you that you don't have to agree with him. Bam, bam, bam. So, <laughs> according to um, some interviews with J.K. Rowling, and according to like some uh, some of the people on the website, I have to go back and find the website, and I'll share it with you guys. But um, James's wealth, like James Potter's wealth, goes back quite a bit um, because his family. He had like a grandfather. It may have been a grandfather or a great grandfather that created the uh, goo that Hermione uses in chapter four or book four. Slickies. Um, yeah. So the slickies where she puts it in her hair and, and all that. He he invented that and made a lot of money out of it. And it passed down <laughs> through to his parents. And since James was an only child. Uh, he was the sole heir of the money when his parents passed away. So he inherited it. They put it in like the safety of Green Gods and all that stuff. Uh, but because they were so young, obviously, they didn't get a chance to use a lot of it. So all of that money just went straight to Harry when they died. So the reason why he has so much money is because <laughs> they basically have rich ancestors. You know, to sum it up, but it was a really great article. I would highly suggest reading it once I find it. Yeah, that's what I love about the wizardingworld.com, mm -hmm. um, which basically inherited all the Pottermore stuff. But J.K. Rowling wrote all this good, just world building stuff. Um, and there's just lots of really fun information on there. Yeah. I'm, well, and I'm glad that information like this is on there because I agree owning a house that turned well i guess this was in like the the 90s late 80s early 90s yeah and thinking about like my parents they definitely were able to do a lot more with like owning a house and having kids than like my husband and i would be able to afford now so times have changed but yeah being 21 years old having a house and leaving a fortune to a child seems um like unfathomable right now but it makes sense when you get to read the extra Harry Potter information on Wizarding World. Also, to go back to what Sharon said about who doesn't want to get a ton of money and go on a shopping spree to a bunch of magical shops. Um, yeah, I would love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially that bookstore. Okay, any of them. Any of them <laughs> any I would of the love. Stores. Yeah. But yeah, the bookshop. And then I feel, like, um, I feel like I would have a lot of fun at Flourish and Blots too, getting the um, – the ink and the quills because oh, I love yeah. pens and calligraphy and stuff. So I feel like I would spend a disgusting amount of time <laughs> shopping for those. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think I would probably spend a lot of time in all of them, though. Yeah. Um, 
to be honest. I think just especially as uh, I guess a muggle-born, I would be to just learn all about what's going to be at Hogwarts would be fascinating. Yeah, seriously. So sharing continues. Y'all talked about how Harry wasn't asking a lot of questions in the movie like he does in the book. But if you think about it, it's almost more on character for him not to ask questions because he mentions multiple times that the Dursleys didn't let him ask questions. He probably got punished for asking questions. I didn't remember if he specified this or not. So it would make sense that he'd be hesitant to ask questions. Sharon, I do agree with that in theory, um, and you make a really good point. I feel like he, I feel like to put on my glasses and psychoanalyze him, um, you know, he has that innate curiosity within him where he he really wants to ask a lot of questions and he wants to be curious. And the Dursleys, of course, um, pushed that out of him for a decade. You know, they were, it was a long time that he learned that. And so it, it would make sense for him to not ask questions and not be not to demonstrate that curiosity. But it, it's really cute how in the books, he, he still has that like young child curiosity, you know, even, I mean, he's essentially, he's a kid the whole, the whole time in the series but um even as he grows into a teenager and is much older than many teenagers his age because of everything that he's had to go through he still has like a young child's sort of um um adorably curious mindset i think and it's definitely not showing up in the in the movies well and also i mean his whole world just shattered um for the better um, and I think like if that happened to anyone, you'd have lots of questions, even adults, you know, whether or not you ask a lot of questions or not, if you were just bombarded with all of this information, you'd have questions. Definitely. Like when I experience something new for the first time, I have a ton of questions because I'm trying to like figure it all out. I'm trying to figure like how it works and all that stuff. And I think that's just how Harry's brain works as well. He's yeah. trying to understand this new thing that doesn't, hasn't made sense to him at all. And has just revealed itself to him. And don't get me wrong. I think he's a pretty intelligent guy. Like I think he's smart, like with, with like math and all this other stuff. So it would wouldn't make sense if he wasn't asking questions because he's an he has an inquisitive mind not in, on par as like Hermione's per se but like he's he's smart enough to know hey how does this work and so that I can start doing it too yeah okay any more thoughts on that one anyone okay Sharon on um she asked us this question again on Facebook, chapter 14, which is Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. Charlie's friends are able to just fly right... <laughs> Can't even get through this because I know where she's going with it. Um, Charlie's friends are able to just fly right into Hogwarts. So does that mean at this point in time, there were zero protection spells? Um, let's cover that first. She has a couple points within this chapter, but I feel like that is very not... Um, not continuity. <laughs> no, I, so you, 
if you went to Hogwarts and like your wizard, you know about Hogwarts. The pers- protection spells are for muggles and to ward off muggles. Now you can't apparate on Hogwarts grounds, which they are not doing. They're flying into the atmosphere. <laughs> I I never thought about it before, like when I was reading this. But I 100% was under the assumption that there were other protection spells as well. Um, well, I, I mean, there are some, but we we get the idea of protection spells during, like, the war with Voldemort and stuff, which comes way after. But at the same time, you have to also take into account Harry and his friends flew out of Hogwarts on Thestrals. So who says That's you can't true. fly into Hogwarts? Yeah. And I think you might be remembering Igor Kakarov in the fourth book because when um, – oh, gosh, who's Hermione's little date to the Yule Ball? Crumb. Victor Crumb. 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 He is talking to her about the Hogwarts grounds and then Kakarov is like, stop. She's going to know, you know where we're located. And then he and Dumbledore have a conversation about – not knowing like all of Hogwarts secrets and um, you know, that whole conversation. So I think that their school is a lot more secretive than Mm -hmm. Hogwarts is. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are multiple times throughout the, throughout the series where people do um, just come and go, but it does seem crazy to me that people can just come and go. Uh, Wizards and witches can just come and go. You would think that there would be, more protection. Um, well, and I think that's why they have so many protective spells when Voldemort is coming in the last book because you can you can walk onto the ground, you can fly mm-hmm. onto the ground, you just can't operate, mm-hmm. which I think makes sense because if you're walking or flying, you know, somebody can see you coming, but when you operate, you're just automatically there. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, second piece of feedback for this chapter, uh, the clicking sound inside the egg, which we had brought up when we were covering this chapter. Sharon says, I assumed it was just the dragon hitting the shell to try to crack it, <laughs> which makes so much sense. <laughs> I still like mine better. <laughs> which was yours? The sound a gas stove makes before yes. it starts flame. Yes. Oh... <laughs> I like that too. I see all of the above. Okay, so we need to X-ray a dragon egg before yes. the dragon is hatched. That's what we need to do. Someone call Daenerys. Okay. Um, okay. Number three for this chapter, um, talking about Hagrid's parents and him being a half giant. Sharon says, "I'm surprised I haven't thought about this before. Before, but like, how exactly did his parents make that happen? <laughs> we don't need to go there." <laughs> No comment. <laughs> well, so I, magic is involved somehow. I think I'm sure. magic is involved, and I think that J.K. Rowling intentionally chose um, which. Speaking of speaking about heterosexual relationships, she intentionally chose which gender would be which the giant. creature. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, not only how does it work, but. <laughs> What attracted them to each other in the first place? Because later on, when we get to the giants, they're not very attractive creatures. Um, So it's just like, where did that attraction come from in the first place? And I mean, not only do we have Hagrid, but we have Madame Maxine too. So this didn't happen one time. This happened a second time. Because <laughs> this... 
Meta Maxine, she's not a full giant, right? Or she correct? She's a half giant as well. Mm, Well, then yeah, this is just like happening all over the place. It sounds like so. Yeah, I do think that we have more questions that. um, Well, just like how there's humans that do weird things, I'm sure there are wizards (laughs) that do some weird things. So. Yeah. All right. All right. We don't have an answer for you, Sharon. Sorry. <laughs> Other than magic. Yeah. It's magic. <laughs> okay. Cameron wrote in, in regards to the Forbidden Forest chapter, I got detention once in my time as a student for a dumb reason. I forgot my gym clothes at home. I was given detention that same day. It didn't take two weeks. I'm really loving the podcast, especially the huge laughing show you three had in the episode. It got me laughing. And if you um, don't remember that laughing session that we had, that was what because Meeks called our listeners bad or some, some asked if we had any bad listeners. <laughs> but thank you for writing in, Cameron. That is interesting. I think we all kind of assumed it wouldn't take two weeks so it's interesting that the wizarding school just waits for an opportunity yeah i think um i think it's still puzzling i'm not (laughs) satisfied with us not knowing and having a solid answer well and here's a different way of thinking of it uh (laughs) does england do their detention different than the american the americans I want to say Karen, our British correspondent, wrote in and she said it was not two weeks, but I'd have to go double check that. I wish I had. That's cool, Cameron. Thank you very much for sending us that. But we also got an email from DK saying, how's it going, Peeves Gabfest? First off, I want to say that I like what y'all are doing with the podcast so far with breaking down chapter by chapter. It's a nice refresh for someone who hasn't read the book since the movies came out like myself. It gives me some entertainment while I'm at work. To answer your question about detention, speaking from experience as someone who got detention a couple of times throughout middle school and high school. So I guess you can say I was a Gryffindor bad boy. <laughs> there you go, Meeks. <laughs> Detention was usually held sometime that same week that you got in trouble. In middle school, it was usually it would usually be around 30 minutes to an hour long. And in high school, they would sometimes give you Saturday detention. And let me tell you, that wasn't fun. It was almost just like the Breakfast Club movie. So where you go in early to to where you go in early on a sa- Saturday, typically around 8 a.m. And you'd be there for up to four hours. Dang, that sucks. You couldn't do no schoolwork. You basically just sat there twiddling your thumbs and staring at the ceiling. i only been twice, but I'm glad I never went again. Anyways, keep up the great work on the podcast from an awesome listener, DK. Thanks, DK. Thanks, DK. Um, thanks for calling yourself out as a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense to me that detention would be that week um yeah and it's so funny how it's 30 minutes to an hour long and that amount of time when you're that age feels like an entire day and now it would be like sweet i have like 30 minutes where i can just like be quiet and nobody bothers me (laughs) i just like sit in a room of quiet people (laughs) 
It's amazing how that works. Yeah. It's all about perception. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, next piece of feedback. JR Style93 on Reddit answered our question about Devil's Snare and the rest of the trials in Chapter 16. I would like to see Hermione panicking there and Ron getting through to her as it was in the books. Maybe put in some foreshadowing in an earlier episode about Devil Snare hating sunlight. It's a good idea. For the rest, they can, of course, take a longer time with every trial since there's probably a whole episode devoted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, oh, devoted to that whole chapter. I thought, JR Style 93, I thought you were saying an entire chapter for each like trial like, <laughs> we'll do that. that would be such a cool episode <laughs> okay continuing on although to show a real chess scene will probably not happen since not everyone can follow it then but i think they can make it more interesting with the cgi effects in the movie it was just stone statues exploding and then of course mm-hmm. have the potions riddle so only harry can get through I wonder what they are going to do with Quirrell, though. Show Harry killing him or Harry passing out and then Dumbledore coming to the rescue. Well, to first touch note on your not showing the whole chess scene, Netflix had a very popular show all about chess called The Queen's Gambit. So I think that that's fine to play part of the chess game. Um Maybe have it even like um, our guest last week, Zoo Hair, or a couple episodes ago, was talking about how um, an HBO show does the triptych. Um, that could be a really cool thing to show the chess game play out. Um, but I agree. I'd really like to see everything, obviously, that the book has written out. Um, and also having a whole episode dedicated to the trials and getting into more detail on those. And um, yes, I think the three of us have talked so much about the CGI and the potential it has now that we're, mm-hmm. you know, decades later. So really excited to see how they portray all of these things, really. Yeah. And in the books, I don't think he does kill Quirrell. I was um, about to say that. I'll- he leaves his... Um, his mangled uh, Voldemort leaves the body, which then kills. So he Voldemort leaves him for dead, basically. Yeah, but does he actually die? I think he does I think die. Dum- I think they said. I don't think Dumbledore ever said that he died. So that's like the point that I'm just like I'm thinking of is like he didn't well, like fall to ash like he did in the movie. Right. He was getting like burned, severely burned, but it didn't feel like Dumbledore let on that he had passed away. They do it- say later what Ronald is going through the different teachers and they say one died, one was a werewolf or something like that. One's memory was erased. Okay. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I Never think mind. it's pretty confirmed that Quirrell does die, but Harry is not. I was beginning to make to a him. fan theory about Quirrell being in like the hospital and just being there permanently. Oh my gosh! Of, what like, if like James tell us your fan theory? No, that's the fan theory. Is like Quirrell survived and got sent to sent to Saint Mungo's, and now he's at Saint Mungo's with all the scarring in place, and and then he later had... he meets um, Lockhart. Yes. Yeah, totally. I think that would just be funny. I don't know. 
I think we should just, they should do an episode. A what if episode. Yep. I like it. (laughs) Well, moving on, Sharon, going back to her kind of review on in the Facebook group. In the last chapter, Dumbledore says to Harry that James saved Snape's life. Do we ever find out the details about this? Because I don't remember anything about it. I think it goes into detail in book five. I'm or is to it? Remember which book. Well, because it's no, mentioned it's again in book three, because Lupin talks about saving uh, about James saving Snape's yeah. life, but they didn't go into details. But when uh, Harry's learning oculancy, I think is it mm-hmm. oculancy mm-hmm. with Oculum. Snape. He mm-hmm. does the Protego spell, and the memory that he sees is Snape's life being endangered. No, never mind. That's no, a different thought... one. I'm confused. Well, yeah, I think things. it's uh, it's yeah, it's when they they trick him into going into the Shrieking Shack, which is where Lupin is, and James stops him from going all the way. But he mm-hmm. does because see he's Lupin. a werewolf, right? Yeah, he right. does okay. see Lupin, and that's how. So the details um, are in book three. Well. He sees, and then, no, we don't know that in book three, though, right? We Do find we, that out in book three because oh. someone talks about it. Some, I think either Sirius or Lupin mentions to Harry that um, James saved Snape's life because he was sneaking about the Whomping Willow, and because Lupin was a werewolf, he was about to get mangled. Okay. But James saved him. Yeah, and then when in Occlumency, Harry sees James being a jerk to Snape. Yeah. Correct. That's what I was getting the two mixed up for. Mm -hmm. Karen, our British correspondent, said the castle piece in chess is also called a rook. So it really is just kind of like little kids calling a rook a castle because, you know. Who wants to say rook when it's obviously a castle? A castle, right? And like, like I said, when we were talking about that in that episode, I remember as a kid calling it the castle piece. So I don't think that's out of the question. I feel like I probably thought when I was younger, when I heard it was called a rook, I was like, well, well, my goodness, how elegant! Because <laughs> like we would not call anything a rook here. So I think that I thought that that was like the fancy word for it. Like the fancy word for castle? Yeah. Oh. I, do we? What is a rook? <laughs> I'm saying. Us Americans do not have elegant okay. building knowledge. No, it's not that. Why is chess work called a rook? Um, though commonly represented in chess sets as a tower or castle, in earlier forms of the game, the rook was symbolized by a chariot. The modern name comes from rook, the Persian word for chariot. Okay, that helps like zero percent because I've never seen a chariot. <laughs> I was that too. Board. How did it go from a chariot so, to a castle? It so, confusing. Here's a dictionary definition: a rook noun is a gregarious, erusian crow with black plumage and a bare face, nesting in colonies in treetops. But what it is also a verb meaning defraud, overcharge, or swindle. Hmm. What? I did see the bird definition first, um, and I was like, well, that's not right. And then I saw 
others want to know why is chess work called a work and i'm like let me go to that one instead okay, okay hold on so what we're so what we're hearing here is that a rook means a persian chariot but it also is a black bird with plumage that sits in polynesian treetops and it's also a verb for defrauding <laughs> yeah <laughs> overcharge or swindle Okay, yep. swindling. Oh, okay. So defraud, overcharge, or swindle someone. I'm gonna use You're the word. Me. Yo, you've been rooked. <laughs> oh Stop. Okay, I'm gonna use to rook somebody or to swindle okay. somebody so Ain't much more. Okay. Oh wait, no. No, it's still. I would just like to know when did it change from a wow. Let me see if I can copy this picture for you guys. Um, I would like to know when it changed from a chariot to a castle and why they kept the name Rook. Yeah. People are just like making stuff up, which I guess is what all language is. But this doesn't like nothing's connecting here. So here's another dictionary company saying um the a swindler or a cheat is someone who is called a rook so when you call somebody a rook you're calling them a swindler or cheat okay i'm still don't know how that totally gonna use that i mean the chariot thing makes sense like that a rook in the chariot is part of the king's and um like defense but why did they keep the name rook when it changed from a chariot to a castle so honestly, I agree with Ron. Call it a castle. It's not a rook. <laughs> no, because it's not. It's not a, a cheater. It's, it's not, not a swindler. Cheating blackbird sitting inside of a chariot. <laughs> it's a castle. I. What's the okay. etymology? No, I. I'm sorry. I One now want a. Um, you know how you want all these spinoff comedy shows, Meeks. Oh. I now want a whole conversation between the rooks about why they're castles and not chariots and why they're not birds oh God, like real housewives style but yeah. of the rooks and chess. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah there's a lot That's of potential here so wait what's the etymology of the word rook because it's a, from the persian word in the medieval Shatranj. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but it's S-H-A-T-R-A-N-J. The rook symbolized a chariot. The Persian word rook, which is R-U-K-H, means chariot. And then we spell rook R-O-O-K. Um, and the corresponding piece in the original Indian version, Chat Chaturanga, has the name Ratha, meaning chariot. Okay. Um, I want a partition for yeah. the castle to be changed back to a chariot. Yeah. No, now that we have all of this knowledge, I think that chess needs to um, have some changes made to what all of these pieces look like. Wow. This was... Um, I'm glad this episode turned into a chess history list. Yeah, I was going to say, this episode really has like baffled me and turned into something I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Thanks. Uh Karen for um, starting this conversation. I think we're not done with it. Obviously, we have a lot more to come as oh. chess comes up in the. Okay, books. so the etymology of the word rook was <laughs> Persian, meaning chariot. Okay, now yes. I'm getting it. Now, now I'm like, <laughs> how did we even get to chariot in the first place? I was a little bit behind. 
So okay. um, in Europe, the castle or tower appears for the first time in the 16th century in Vida's 1550 Ludus Scotia, and then as a tower on the back of an elephant. Hmm. So that I think is the, the beginning of the change. The beginning of the change. Well, that poor elephant. Yeah. Why is there well, a tower on the elephant? Well, think of um, think of Lord of the Rings, those giant elephants and their little like carriers of the people. That in India, that's how they would use elephants to battle. Think India. That is awful. Why are that they, area? Can we just can we stop using animals for oh. our nefarious purposes, everybody? Yes, please. Just a PSA. Okay. All right. No, well, it wasn't India. It was um, it was the northern part of Africa. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have used um, animals for for bad things. Okay. All right. Well, we're obviously going to be talking about chess probably many more times throughout this podcast. But <laughs> next piece of feedback. Um, Sharon on Facebook says, um, I appreciate the improved audio, just a general, um, general comment. We like having improved, (laughs) we like having improved audio as well. Um, is that the kidnap the Santa Claus song? I don't know what Sharon is referring to here. What are you referring to, Sharon? (laughs) I don't know what kidnap the Santa santa claus song is so okay. I don't well think we I probably have to it. figure out like we have to pro- okay oh is she it. referring to the music we use in our episodes maybe oh maybe oh. <laughs> wait hold on i'm gonna play kidnap the santa claus sandy claus okay make sure it's only like less than 10 seconds or whatever is legal for us to do <laughs> okay it's playing an ad one second well, she's, I think in the recording, she's the only one that's listening to it. We can't hear it. No, I'm going to play it to my mic. This is from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, ouch. I mean, look, for treaters, the job I have for you is top secret. It requires craft, palette, finesse. Uh, it does sound similar. Wow, good catch, Sharon. Okay, but um, it's so we not. Found, <laughs> right, we found our music on something called Pond Five. Pond Five. Um, so it was made by it was made by an original artist who is credited in our show notes. We bought the rights to use it, but he is credited in our um, uh, in our show notes in our credits and stuff. So did they pull it from Kidnap the Sandy Claus? Uh, maybe no, maybe who knows? But mm-hmm. I I pulled it because it was um, magical sounding. It's it, it it was uh, when I was searching for it. It was magic and witches and stuff so i think the whole sound file it the part we're using is like small in comparison compared to the whole sound file i only grabbed a specific part from the whole sound which is a completely different thing so i would say it's just coincidence that it sounds like that similarly all right 
Um, okay, last piece of general feedback here from Sharon. A possible suggestion, make a post each week for people to discuss their thoughts on that chapter or cast. Yeah. We can do that's that. That's a good idea. Yeah. And we do um, we do every week ask a question in the subreddit called, I believe it's Harry Potter on HBO is the subreddit, mm. or it might be HP, HP on HBO. Um, uh, we always ask a question to kind of encourage discussion over there on Reddit. Um, and then, of course, the Facebook group, lots of conversation happening over there. But I like the idea of having an actual post in the Facebook group dedicated to that week's episode. Nice. Yes, we can definitely do that. Yeah, you guys can tell us your peeves, peeve, and peeve pleasure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Speaking of Facebook, Court OB on Facebook said, Hopes for the show. B-plots such as Spew and the House Elves, Frenzy and Friends, the goat situation in detail. Uh, I don't know that I need details on that. Um, and, <laughs> and more time spent in the pensive moments. Things like Little Lily and Petunia and Snape. I'm hoping for a lot of flashbacks to the Order era when the time comes. Neville's parents and that whole thing. Just a few things that I enjoyed about the books that made the story so much richer and added weight and reason to character choices and actions. Some were featured in the films, others omitted entirely, but all need to be played out as they were written. Agreed. So Court OB was totally speaking to my spirit animal. Yeah. Uh, yes, I definitely want something more rich and I definitely want more weight and reason for character choices. Right? Like That's my whole ordeal is just the choices of characters. I want to be able to read like read the story and have the choices be believable and uh, like credible. But the other part was um, the flashbacks leading into the order area. I totally think like if I were the studio and I was producing the show that would always be in the back of my mind because mm -hmm. I would I would want the Harry Potter series to jumpstart the the uh, prequel series basically because I would want them I, I would want them I would want the Harry Potter show to to get get underway and have people love it and watch it and stuff and see the popularity so that you can go back to your bosses and go hey look very cool people love it now think about this whole untouched untapped area that we just got the rights to from JK Rowling herself, who would most likely want to like even give input into it about all these characters that came before Harry Potter and built the world that everybody seems to love right now. And then jumpstart the, the order of the Phoenix TV show or whatever you would want to call it. Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, I've like never really heard of an idea for a show or a, like a a spin-off show or a B plot or anything that I don't like. I think that there's just right seriously so much content that they could go with and to me it's all interesting cuz she builds such a rich his, uh, wizarding world. So, yeah. 
I like it, James. Well, and to go into more depth uh, uh, with characters that we hadn't even begin to think of, and like you could expand the world even more to the point like where you're adding characters that weren't ever mentioned in right. the books or in the films, and like mm-hmm. they have this cool little character arc that brings more depth into it and maybe you can have them connect to connect to the world and at large and they become a little bit more real but then like we have sad experiences when it get the show gets darker because it's a war you're at war with Voldemort it's going to be a little bit more darker it's going to be a little bit more adult uh because it it's not going to look pretty mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to look pretty at all so I definitely would love to see how all of that like plays out and how the Marauders become members of the Order and join Dumbledore to fight Voldemort and how that war really looked and had an effect on everybody and like how scared everybody was because then when it's over, you know, season finale, Lord Voldemort gets blown up by Harry Potter and boom, the, it shows over and leads right into this new series that we're making. Right. <laughs> but like yeah. we get to see all of that joy like all that joy becomes much more apparent because you're like oh look at that like yeah i totally understand why they're celebrating now because lord voldemort was crazy so <laughs> it, i agree it would it, it would be really cool to to have the flashbacks in this series teasing everything that happens and then you know the the conclusion of the harry potter series we kind of have a full story but having just a limited series on the first order because even in the books we don't really get a lot of information we get the big bullet points you know um which is the um secret keeper and the whole wizarding war um coming to the end with, like you just said, Voldemort and Harry. But like everything, how did the Order first get formed and all of that and then all of the battles that we do hear about, all of the fights that we do hear about would really be cool to explore that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, I just have to mention Spew and the House Elves need yeah. all of that. Yes, definitely. Well, Karen, our British correspondent on Facebook, has asked the most pressing question. How would you feel if they kept to the casting rule of Brits only for the British roles that they had for the films in the TV show? I wonder if this would be a derisive decision. First of all, Karen, how dare you use the word derisive when I don't even know what it means? <laughs> like dividing, I think. Like, would it be, would the fandom fight over it or would the three of us fight over the decision kind of thing? I, would we be on opposite sides? I think if the show is set in the UK and all of the characters are from the UK, then the actors and actresses should be from the UK as well. I think that yeah. we did, well... We did fan casting trying to stick with actors and actresses from the UK. But I think that there's plenty of people that are the typical American Hollywood people that would be great because they're great at acting. But I think that we should, I think they should do as many like either no name or not very well known British or UK 
actors and actresses as possible. You know, why why not give new people a, a platform and a chance to like explode their careers from there? Okay. I agree. And hear I me think out. That- I was not to cut you off, Sarah Day, but like hear me out. Because I have a very derisive opinion um if that were the case then wouldn't that be the mindset for like almost everything that we did like tom holland is famously from england but plays a 16 year old kid from new york does a pretty good in like american accent can barely tell it's like you can barely tell it's like he's even from england like if you did if he didn't say he was from england you people would probably assume he was from here but does a really good job of playing spider-man and you know to keep the list short and all that stuff there's a lot of people out there that do a really good job at portraying nationalities and things like that and when you begin to restrict the as a casting director when you begin to restrict your choices based off of uh, requirements, like they can only be British and from England in order to be able to play this role, you limit the, the possibilities of who gets to participate and potentially lose big on somebody that could potentially be a really good fit for the role. If someone had said Spider-Man needs to be played by somebody here in America uh, and yeah, and be pl- and have that kind of background and all that stuff. We would have never had Tom Holland, and we would have never had Andrew Garfield either, uh, it, who were both from England, who both played Spider-Man in really good ways uh, to to begin with. Tom so, Hiddleston, or Tom Hiddleston as Loki. But the point is, what I, I'm getting at is, I feel like I would definitely lean more towards british actors who who have the ability of being able to do it but if there's somebody here or somebody in a different country that wanted to to try out for it like and actually fit the role really well like i would want to give them the opportunity for sure i hear what you're saying i do agree with Nick so to have the british cast early in all like I don't know, but um, I believe J.K. Rowling has already said that she wants it to be a British cash, just like the movies were. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's plenty of, of course, we love Tom Hiddleston, we love Tom Holland, we love Andrew Garfield. Like, there's plenty of, um, you could look at it either way. There's plenty of fantastic American actors that would do really well playing um, in the Harry Potter series. So it's, you know, not that um, we should, like, forfeit great talent you know somebody who would be a really good fit but i do think that there are so many people who are trying to get their break basically and they just haven't had that opportunity and they're from over there and it makes sense and they would be a good fit and they're going to be passed over because there's somebody who's more famous who isn't from the area but has like proven that they're great at acting so somebody like a casting director could make an easier call and go with them or not even an easier call but a safer call by going with them but um i think that there's so much up and coming talent that exists no matter what country you're in that they that it would be wonderful to see 
a show filled with people who were from that area and like people who I have no idea who they are, like people that I don't recognize, even though we just did a whole fan casting episode. But really, I would love to see just a whole bunch of people that I've never even seen before because one show. Well, and that's what Game of Thrones did. Mm -hmm. A lot of those actors were lesser known names until Game of Thrones came out and made them something. And that's what Mm -hmm. I would like to see Harry Potter do for these actors as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cameron said, keep up the amazing work. What are you looking forward to the most about analyzing book two? Oof. Good question. Mm -hmm. Oof. Um, I think, well, first of all, thank you, Cameron, for saying we're doing amazing work. It means a lot. I think that I'm looking forward to the most in book two. I have to say how they portray Dobby because that's my favorite character. And I know we've talked a lot about how I don't really care about the actor's appearances because I still see what I see in the book. But Dobby was exactly how I pictured Dobby in the books. So Mm -hmm. for them to want to be different, I – it. That might be the thing I struggle with. So that will be fun. That would be very interesting for sure to see how they would design Dobby if they kind of keep it the same as like the movies did or if they maybe put their own little spin on it. Um, I think the voice is definitely going to be something to get used to if they go with a completely different voice than the one that Toby Jones did. That mm-hmm. one's going to be... That that one will be de- definitely different for me. I could see it being a little bit more squeakier, but his appearance is going to be hard for me to change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what something I oh, hmm, I don't know. Looking forward the most about analyzing book two. Uh, there's so much, Cameron. This is why I don't <laughs> like these questions because I want to say all of it. <laughs> You're making me choose one. Um, no, I like. I really, I really just enjoyed what I did with book one and what we did with book one and how we discussed it and all that stuff and just the whole experience was awesome. And so. I want to be able to just replicate that with book two and be able to kind of go into it a little bit deeper. Uh, I have changed my approach this time, though. Uh, With book one, I was kind of just reading it and getting my own little glimpses. But now I have a reading companion uh, from the uh, producers of the Alohomora podcast, right? Alohomora. Alohomora podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the people who do the Aloha Mora podcast have been publishing these like reading companions where you kind of like you read the book and then you read the chapter that they wrote and it kind of g- goes into a little bit more depth about some things. And I think doing that right before uh, as a part of like analyzing it will kind of give me an opportunity to expand my horizons, uh, you know. I think I did a good job with book one, but I, I'm really excited to kind of see where it goes, this book, and and kind of see how far we can get into the characters and some, maybe learn something. I, I always love learning new things, so I want to learn some things about book two that I have never even considered before because uh, I definitely did that for book one, but I want to keep keep that momentum going and, and all that stuff. So that's my thoughts on it. 
I answered his question without answering, answering his question. I think we're just excited to get to the next book. Um, we clearly have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think, um, yeah, Dobby, it'll be so interesting to see what they do. And yeah, he was like exactly what I imagined in the, in the books as well. Uh, or when I was reading the books first. And I think like seeing how they do Nagini and, and create the whole set for the Chamber of Secrets portion is going to be really interesting because I think they did a great job with it in the film, like that set design and everything. And the CGI is fantastic for, especially for that time period. But now that the CGI is so much better and there's so many more opportunities, it's going to be really cool to see what they come up with. Um, And then seeing who they cast as young Tom Riddle. I can't wait to, um, to see that. Yeah. Don't you mean the basilisk instead of Nagini? Yeah, I meant the basilisk. Yes, Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, Nagini shows up in this book? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, there's plenty, 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 of course, that I'm looking forward to analyzing. But I think I'm most excited just to see what the um, the most, like, magical CGI stuff, like, to see what they come up with for that. That's, I guess, oh, what's popping into my head. I forgot. I am also very excited for the deleted scenes of Cham- Chamber of Secrets. Uh, There's a lot. I, oh, interesting. I'm trying. I'm flipping through the second book because I could have sworn there was chapter art of Dobby, um, but I'm not seeing it. I think maybe it's the last chapter, which is called Dobby's a Reward. No. Maybe I'm thinking of there, there, There's a chapter art for Winky in book mm-hmm. four. Well, I'll have to consult the um, illustrated version and the Mina Lima version and see how they draw Dobby as well. And like do some comparing and seeing which version I like the best. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, everybody, thank you to everyone who wrote in throughout um, the last, you know, 20 or so episodes. Please don't stop sending us feedback. We're excited to dive into Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which we will be doing next week with Chapter 1, The Worst of Birthday, which is up to three minutes and seven seconds of the film. James, where can everybody find you? Yes, everybody, can you can find me on TikTok and Instagram with James M. Beltran. And, you know, to kind of piggyback off Sarah Day a little bit, we are going to keep doing these feedback episodes um, periodically. As you, uh, So do not stop sending them in. Uh, we're going to kind of filter them in, bet- in between episodes every so often, uh, the more that we get. So, the, you know, the more that you send us, the more that we'll be able to do these uh, feedback episodes. So uh, we definitely love hearing from you guys and we want to hear more from you guys for sure. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say for that. And you can oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Am I saying my Instagram? Yeah. I got really confused. <laughs> or wherever. Wherever you want to send people. I'm so sorry. Um, you can find me mainly on Instagram at Megan, M-E-G-A-N, 
underscore Lachowski, L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. And then from there, you can see all of my other projects. And you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram at captain.mcd, that's M-C-D-E-E. And you can find my other projects tagged there as well. You can also follow our podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Peeves Gabfest. Ickle Firsties, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And if you can, please leave a five-star review for us. If you're as mischievous as we are, please consider joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash peevesisgabfest. If you have any feedback, which you see, we'll do a whole episode on feedback. So please leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GAPFEST. And we have yet to get a voicemail. So please, please, please give us a call. Be our first and then you will have your voice in our next feedback episode because we will play it on the actual episode. So (laughs) on the air. On the air. If you want your voice to be on the air and us like react to it in real time, please leave that voicemail. We want we want to hear your voices. Or you can email us at peevesgapfest at gmail.com and join the discussion in our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash group slash peevesgapfest. Until next time, Mickle Firsties. Mischief managed. <laughs> <laughs>